As you know, we've been walking through faith, F-A-I-T-H, over the past several weeks, looking forward to this afternoon when we share our faith with the community of the Dalreda area. And we're looking forward to that. It is a challenging day to do that. It's a very challenging time, but we feel very good about what we're doing. We feel comfortable in doing it the way we're going to. And we're going to ask that even though many don't want to, and we will be outdoors for your complete safety, we're going to ask everyone in attendance to wear a mask. We will furnish masks for those guests who come. And if they wish to put it on, we wish they would. But uh, we're not going to police that. We're just simply going to request that for the safety of the community. So I hope you're going to be a part of that. We're looking for, we cannot do it as a staff. We need all of you. And uh, even if you're at home listening today and watching through the internet, we encourage you to be here this afternoon for this special event. And uh, I believe it starts at six. Is that right, Brother Tommy? Five, starts at five. I knew I'd get it wrong. And I sat over there thinking, and I've, I've, I've vacillated back and forth. Is it, uh, is it five or is it six? But it's at five o'clock. So you need to be here a little early. And uh, there are folks going to be working all afternoon, setting up and getting ready for the backpack giveaway as we minister to this community. As we talk about faith, you remember F stands for forgiveness, God's forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin. And we talked about the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And mankind is in need of God's forgiveness. Of course, A says that God's forgiveness is available. It's available to everyone for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. But it's not automatic. It doesn't come just because you're a human being, not just because you give a, a, a consent that, well, Jesus was born, he did live. We know that historically. But it's more than that. It is available, not automatic, just because you're part of of the human race or because you believe that Jesus is a person, that he is the Son of God even. But that moves us to I, knowing that it's impossible for God to allow sin into his heaven where it's all pure, it is all righteousness, it's all holiness, and God is holy in all of those aforementioned things and attributes. He is those things and he will not allow sin into his presence. For John said in his first epistle that in him there is no darkness, no sin whatsoever, and he does not fellowship with sin. The only fellowship we have with God is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us as believers, and he is how we approach the Father through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and communicates with us as we communicate with the Holy God in our prayer life. And we understand it's impossible for a holy God to allow unrighteousness, sinfulness into his presence. And then the next word is T. And we talked about T standing for turn. You'll remember that. Turn is another word for repent. The word repent is used by Jesus on numerous occasions in his earthly ministry. It is used by the Apostle Paul. It is a word that means to turn from 
what you are doing. Turn from where you're headed. Turn from the affections of your physical body and of, of your carnal man, of the things of this world, to turn away from those things and to turn toward the Lord Jesus Christ, to embrace him as Lord and Savior, to embrace him as the one who is holy, and to surrender one's life to him as they turn from the direction of sinfulness, the direction to hell, and turn to the direction of heaven, and that is to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the last letter of the word faith, and that letter is H. H stands for heaven and hereafter. Hereafter this life, there is a heaven to gain. There is a heaven that is prepared for a prepared people. Now, I know you've been to a lot of funerals in your life, and, and you've been to the funeral home, and you've heard possibly a preacher say over someone that you knew did not have faith in God, did not walk with Jesus, and that he's in a far better place than we are. Well, that's not true. I, I think that's just things we say to try to help a mourning family. I, I don't know why we uh, perpetrate that lie time and time again, but it's not true. He is not in a far better place. He is in a place that the H could also stand for, a place called hell, where that person will spend an eternity that did not come to faith, F-A-I-T-H, to receive God's forgiveness that it was available because he will not receive them in their sinfulness. They must turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and in doing so, they receive all that God has, all of his love, all of his kindness, all of his care, all of his provisions, all of those things we receive, and we receive a home in heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have, go to, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When we think about that place, the revelation in Revelation, uh, chapters 21 and 22, John uses the term city 11 times to refer to heaven. This morning, my message is entitled entitled, Tell Me About a Place Called Heaven. But this is not a, just a figure of speech when we talk about heaven. The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, and I read them to you. These all died in faith, and he's talking about those that have come before us, those of the Old Testament saints who trusted that God was going to provide a way of forgiveness, a way to heaven they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What a profession. What a confession of faith and profession of faith that is given by the Old Testament saints in walking faithfully through the years 
believing that God was going to provide a way, had not yet seen that come to fruition, but they looked for it, they longed for it, they believed it was going to place and going to take place and considered themselves strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Listen to the next verse. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a, what does it say, city. He has prepared a city for them. Heaven is called a city. It's described as a city. The dimensions are given in the revelation of that it's a cube. It's just as tall as it is uh, wide and as long as is a cube. And he's talking about that place, and it describes how it's built from the foundation up, even the pavement that is used there. You know, it's gold. And he describes that in the Revelation. The most detailed description of heaven is found in Revelation chapter 20, chapters 22, well, let me say 21 and 22. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 21, and I'm going to read out loud verses 1 through 4. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. As we have a better understanding of what we're trying to share the gospel with these folks about, what we want to take place, for them to gain a home, for them to gain the victory, and to know that they'll spend an eternity in a place, a city called heaven, that Jesus said, I go to prepare for those who believe. Look at verse 1 of chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Can I just pause there? What separated John when he's on the Isle of Patmos and he's writing this book of the Revelation as he is given the visions, as he is transported, if you would, into the place of heaven and he sees what's going to take place in the future. The thing that separated him from everyone he loved, the, the very thing that separated him from corporate worship, the thing that separated him from fellowship with other believers and family was the sea. And the first thing he exclaimed about heaven, there won't be any more separation. There will be no more sea. And then verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, isn't it interesting, a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. My gracious, the things that characterize heaven is what every human being longs for. 
No more pain, no more separation, no more crying, no more death, no more sin. None of these things will be there. And he, he describes heaven as a city just like what we long for. Even the lost, even those who have never come to faith in Christ, long for peace and harmony, lo love and, and to be loved and forgiven and, and to be accepted. There are a lot of folks in the culture that we live in that would love to be accepted by others, but they're sort of outcasts. They're not received very well. It may be because of their socioeconomic level that they're not able to get nice clothing. It may be because of the color of their skin. It, it may be because of the accent of, of their language. It's, it, there are several reasons. Matter of fact, there are numerous reasons that people feel unaccepted and unloved and nobody really cares and that they don't fit in. You know, you can just be a little odd and think you don't fit in. Matter of fact, some of you are like that, aren't you? We're all a little odd, peculiar. But you know, in heaven, there will be no peculiarities. There won't be anybody that's odd. There won't be anybody that's not accepted. There won't be anybody that will feel left out. There will not be anybody that's not a part of the in-group because we're all there as a part of our Heavenly Father's family, the forgiven, the redeemed, if you would, and will be in heaven with others. Heaven is characterized as much by the things that will be there as by the things that won't be there. Verse 4 says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And here are the things that won't be there. There'll be no more death. I just mentioned that. No sorrow, no crying. There should be no more pain for the former things have passed away. There will be no more tears. Now, the Bible does not say there will not be any tears in heaven. The Bible plainly says that God will wipe away the tears that appear there. For you see, we're going to be at the great white throne judgment. The Bible plainly describes that event when all of those who have never been redeemed, all of those who are not saved and their, their souls are in hell, will be resurrected in the same old sin-infested body that they died in, and they'll stand before God at the, at the great white throne judgment and the deeds of their lives and, and all that they said and did and all that they thought will be revealed that day, and they will beg and plead, but there will be no mercy there. And one by one, God will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me into everlasting punishment, everlasting fire, everlasting hell. It is immediately after the description of the great white throne judgment and all of those, not one of them will go to heaven. Not one of them will be a part of the redeemed. Not one of them will live in the new Jerusalem. Not a one of them will ever know peace with God, and the love and care of a heavenly Father in a prepared place. And it says immediately after that description, 
then God will turn to the church. He'll turn to the redeemed of all ages. And that's when he will wipe the tears from our eyes. Oh, what a glorious thing to think about. It's going to be terrible to, to watch that and to know that there were people that lived around us, people that were possibly members of our family. There are people that we knew in the workplace or in school. There were folks that we knew in the marketplace and we'll watch and remember the time, the opportunity we may have had to talk to them about Jesus, to talk to them about forgiveness, to talk to them about God's forgiveness being available and he would not allow their sin into heaven and that they could turn from their sin and receive forgiveness and everlasting life and a home in heaven. The times we've had through the years, and I tell you, even that thought haunts me this morning of the number of people I've passed by, the number of people I've excused myself from, the number of people I've been critical because of their language and been critical because of their lifestyle, to know that their response, I am responsible for them to have told them about God's mercy and love and the offer of forgiveness through the sacrifice of his son on the cross of Calvary. Whether or not they will be saved is not our business. Our business is to walk in obedience and tell the gospel in the opportunities that we have, even such as this afternoon. But that day, we'll shed tears of sorrow, of grief, of being ashamed. But God will wipe away every tear. And after that judgment, there will be no more Heaven is going to be a wonderful place. It is a prepared place for a prepared people. And it's not that people can prepare themselves. It is what God does for them when they trust in him that he prepares them. Heaven is also characterized as the absence of sin. In verse 8, John in heaven describes this. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But there shall by no means shall they enter it anything that defiles or causes an ab abomination, excuse me, or a lie, but only those, here it is, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How do you get written in the Lamb's book of life? By trusting Jesus by receiving his substitutionary death for you on the cross of Calvary, believing that he is the Son of God who came to this earth to go to the cross to die for our sins, that he arose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and that after that time he ascended back into the heaven there to take his seat at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for all who would trust in him and believe on him.
In verse 8 and verse 27, we are told, as I just read, those who will not be in heaven. You might expect the list to be headed by murderers and the immoral, by liars and idolaters. But no, the first two on the list that are excluded are cowardly and unbelieving. Cowardly and unbelieving. I believe it refers to those who've always had a fear that kept them from coming to and following Christ because they were afraid someone might think differently of them. Afraid of what someone might think or what someone might say. They were afraid. They were cowardly. The next on the list is the unbelievers. These would include those individuals who came to church, perhaps, and went through the motions of worship and never got around to trusting Christ. They may be good persons. They may be even what we would consider moral persons. But they never trusted Christ. Listen to me. The only ones in heaven will be those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those. How was the name recorded in the Lamb's book of life? By simply trusting Jesus. By simply saying to him that you're in need of his forgiveness and that you're a sinner and that you believe that he is the Son of God and he died on the cross for you, that he was buried, that he rose again. And you ask him simply to forgive you of your sins and to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the message we want to present this afternoon. Oh, we don't want to talk about hell necessarily. We don't want to do a scare tactic, even though that's a real subject and we should not avoid it should it come up and the opportunity is there. But we're not trying to damn folks. We're trying to reach folks with the gospel. We're trying to love them into the kingdom. I believe that when we finally enter heaven, we will say, this is the land I've been looking for. All my life, though I never knew what it was until today. We are aliens. The Bible says we're strangers in a foreign country called Earth. We live in tents, feeble, temporary dwellings, but we are headed to a glorious permanence that will never rust, never decay, and there won't have to be any carpenters in heaven. There won't have to be any plumbers in heaven. I mean, that doesn't exclude you from going, all right? But that particular work is not needed there, for it's all taken care of by, the Jesus, by Jesus, who has made everything perfect that will last for eternity. We may live today on shifting sand. 
But we're headed to a city that is built on 12 foundations. A city that will never fall. A city whose builder and maker is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Our very purpose this afternoon is to lead folks to Jesus and ultimately to heaven. The H of faith not only stands for heaven, it also stands for how. How does a person gain heaven? How can a person have God's forgiveness, eternal life, and heaven? The answer is simply by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by being a Baptist, not by being a Church of Christ, not by being a Catholic, but only trusting Jesus and what he has provided through his coming, his death, burial, and resurrection, and what he'll provide when he comes again. That's the message of faith. I've tried to be as thorough as I can over these past few weeks. I trust you've grown. I trust that you've made notes. I trust that you're prepared and maybe have already been sharing your faith. I suppose you were given the little outline card when you came in today. If you did not get one, there are many of them on the table in the foyer, and you could pick one up. And the faith outline is right there for anybody. I went through it a little bit on Wednesday evening when we met to, to pack the backpacks and get the supplies in them and, and to enjoy that time. And then we had this training, and I simply just walked through this card. And it's back there on the table for you to pick one up. If you're at home and you desire one, if you'll just call the church office tomorrow morning, we'll be glad to mail you one of these cards that gives you the faith outline. Are you ready? Are you ready to do the work of the church? I trust you are. I trust you will come by faith and obedience to God. And that we will faithfully be the church here in Dalrada, the Dalrada Baptist Church. And we will share the gospel with those that are here. Oh, we're going to give them a hot dog, chips, and a drink. We even got the Coca-Cola trailer back there. And all the drinks are iced down and ready for them. We've got Randy and Steve going to cook hot dogs this afternoon. And, and Pam and... and uh, April, I think, helped her. They packed all the bags and got everything in them but the hot dogs. We're ready. Their staff and others are going to be working all afternoon, and you are welcome to help us as we set up tables and chairs and as we get everything up and the blow-ups are delivered and put into place and the tent's already up. And we, we, can, we can use the help if you'd like to join us this afternoon. What time should they be back, Brother Tommy? Four. We're going to do the work at four o'clock today. So if you'd like to be here, it starts at five. So we're going to, we may need some help with some tables and chairs 
a little bit before that, but uh, we can use your help. Let's thank the Lord for the opportunity we have to share our faith and for the wonderful blessing and truth that these things I've said about heaven are ours because of Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. We want to walk in obedience, and this afternoon is an opportunity for us to do the very thing that Jesus commanded us to do, is to share the gospel with those in this world. Lord, help us as we're faithful today to be used of you. And Lord, I pray you would give every person who participates from this church body, give them encouragement. Lord, give them fruit for their labors. Let them experience someone coming to faith in Christ, and it will change their life forever. Have your way with us. We are yours. We trust you for our safety. We trust you for all that is going to take place today, for it to be fruitful, and you to multiply our efforts, and for folks to come to faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.